everybody. Track Wrestling Danny Hamilton here. Week one of the college season is in the books, and we have some movement in the track wrestling rankings. David Mirkatani, our rankings guru, is here to break things down. <laughs> Welcome back, and happy Election Day, David. Yes, sir. Get out and vote. Do your civic duty. And uh, it was a crazy week, and there was a lot of results to, to try to process, that's for sure. Well, the only vote that really matters here in the track wrestling rankings is yours. Um, let's get this thing going. We uh, uh, The top three teams stayed the same this weekend. Oklahoma State increased its lead from 9.5 to 15.5 points over second-ranked Ohio State. Iowa moved within a half point of the Buckeyes for third. Then we had a lot of mo- movement in the rest of the top ten. Penn State uh, moves from six to four. Missouri falls from four to six. Virginia Tech stays put at number five. Cornell and Nebraska flip-flopped. Stanford pops into the top 10 at number 10. Um, Iowa State was on the verge of the top 10 last week. The Cyclones fall from number 11 to number 20 after a pair of dual defeats. And then we have some several uh, teams in between that have kind of moved a notch or two. What caught your eye in week one? I think, you know, we're, we're trying to do our best to rank things accurately. And obviously, when you start the rankings, you work with the body of work from last season or, or previous seasons. And then you get results. And even if you think the result is not what would happen if they wrestled 10 times, you definitely have to count the results. And Mizzou is an example. They lost points at 125, 149, 157, and 165 for wrestling in the all-star meet and losing there. But you have to give credit to Coach Smith and those guys that competed. Um, You know, they're looking at the bigger picture and that helped make the all-star meet a a great event, whereas some other schools benefited by sitting still. Um, Oklahoma State picked up points at 197 where a guy ahead of uh, Weigel got beat, 174 where Nathan Jackson moved out. 149, where Kalika got a head-to-head win over Mays, and then they they came in at the very bottom of the rankings at 285. So, you know, when I looked at the, you just do the math. You don't rank the teams; you rank the individuals, and then the teams take care of themselves. But those were some of the things that were that jumped out. Um, Oklahoma or Ohio State, rather, and Iowa are really close and. There was a, a ranking decision, which we can talk about at 184, where it's pretty arguable that Iowa could have more points than we gave them this week. So, you know, that could they could actually jump to two. Um, and we can talk about that in a few minutes. Well, let's start at 125, the logical place to begin here. Nathan Kreiser up 11 spots to number eight uh, from number 19 after the win against Barlow McGee at the All-Star Classic. Uh, that's a huge jump, but obviously there's a, there's a big gap of, of guys in between where, uh, you know, some round of 12, round of 16 guys from a year ago. Uh, pretty easy decision in your mind to put him there at eight? Not super easy. Obviously, he's got to go above McGee because he beat him head-to-head. Um, then the question becomes, what do you drop, you know, McGee all the way down to where, Kreiser, Kreiser was or somewhere in the middle and a lot of the guys in the middle are young guys that you know haven't you know Suriano hasn't wrestled yet Piccinini just had one dual meet um, 
Freddie won a, a, the Grandview Open. Lambert lost in the finals to Lysak, but, you know, Lysak's out till Jan 1. So it did seem like the right move. I mean, and I guess, you know, it, I, I say that with, with pretty much conviction because I think Barlow McGee is definitely a round of 12 guy. We know that from him and, and right on knocking on the door to medal. So it didn't make sense to drop him down. It made sense to move uh, Nathan up. Moving on to 133, uh, a lot of mayhem in, in this weight class. Uh, you know, some guys that have moved quite a bit. Cameron Kelly drops from 13 all the way down to 24 after getting pinned by Campbell freshman Jonathan Ryan. Uh, a guy who's not in the rankings um, created a lot of mayhem here at 133 pounds. Brandon Brendan Fitzgerald of Ohio State, uh, freshman, pinned Corey Keener, Stephon Michich. Uh, on his way to the finals of the Eastern Michigan Open. He was down 6-0 at the time of the fall against Keener. Um, you know, a lot of guys in that, uh, you know, 10 to 20 range, you know, we saw them fall this week. Some of them, you know, several of them got pins. What was your take on this and, and how to sort them out? I guess the first thing is Ohio State's got a pretty good room at 133 <laughs> with Pletcher and Nato and Fitzgerald. I mean, that's really good stuff. And you look at the guys at 25 and 41 and Steeper. I mean, those those live goes have got to be fun to watch. Um, you, you touched on the Misik and Cam Kelly losses, and, and those were the guys that moved down. Tyler Goodwin won the Southeast Open, formerly the Hokie Open. Those, it was a big bracket. And there were a lot of maybe not top ten guys, but a lot of good guys in that tournament. So you know, it certainly justified him being ranked. And Seth Gross didn't move in the rankings, but I certainly think if people were making predictions how he wrestled this weekend, just his ability to put up a lot of points, you can tell he's been wrestling with A.J. Shop and has got some really nice stuff on top and is a guy that, you know, not only can make the podium but can, you know, maybe go very high on the podium and really be a threat to that top echelon of guys that maybe people thought were kind of untouchable right now. And and the all-star match at 33 was a great match, you know, back and forth, back and forth with, with Zane and ended up winning that match uh, late, I think, 9-7. to seven. Moving on to 141, uh, the big mover here with Joey Ward falling eight spots from, third, from number five to 13 after losing to Army's Logan Everett. Um, kind of a hard one with, with what to do there. What, Definitely. Um, yeah, what, what did you see there that uh, uh, in this entire weight but uh, that, that stuck out with, to you in week one? And, and you know, can, you, can you give us a little perspective on, on the decision to move him toward where you did? I think it's similar to 25 where the, the spread between the guy who won and the guy who lost was significant. I think maybe the difference was that at 25, you know, Crazer had qualified before and had some big wins and um, almost beat uh, Delgado a couple years ago at Nationals. So you could justify moving him all the way up there wherever it has had, you know, had some good good season last year, but no signature wins. So I think we decided to just, well, we'll kind of meet in the middle with Everett and Ward and, you know, where they started out and, and move him into right around that round of 12. So that was the logic there. Um, Thorne is out of the lineup till January 1. 
Villarreal is injured and probably won't be back till around Christmas. And the Ashnault Meredith match was unbelievably good. Just great scrambles and you know, those guys met in the quarters and the four five or in the semis at the one one four two three, that that's gonna be another great match. I mean Ashnault won it fair and square and, and did a great job, you know, but it it was certainly not a dominant victory and you could you could see those guys you know, wrestling again and it and being super competitive again. You know, you mentioned Tyler Goodwin of of Maryland at 133 pounds, and, and another Terrapin, uh, Al- Alfred Bannister, was the big uh, the guy that had the biggest trend at, at 149, moving upward. He comes from outside the rankings uh, to number 16 after uh, winning the Southeast Open. Um, that that was certainly a uh, a guy that caught your attention this week. Uh, who else did you have your eye on that uh, that moved the needle for you? Bannister certainly was was huge, and I mean there were a lot of good wins in that bracket. That was that that Southeast Open was, you know, talk about it. You know, if you're a a coach, you got a lot of guys in your roster and want to get them matches. That was a great tournament to send them to. Um, he, he obviously did well at Dactronics, Maruka winning the tournament, um, and right now with Pagdaleo being out, um, we're going to rank Maruka until he comes back in. Um, Kalika beat Mays head-to-head, so that was a flip-flop. And then Micah Jordan beat Justin Oliver head-to-head so at Eastern Michigan. So that was a flip-flop. And then Freddie Stroker uh, didn't have a great first tournament, so he, he fell in the rankings. Um, but he's a, a high upside guy, and, and we all know not everybody wrestles the same way in March that they do in, in November. So he had to fall because of the losses, but I think he's a guy that can definitely work his way back up with, with his resume. 157, the top three remain the same, and then a lot of movement after that. Uh, Murphy and Roshkoff change places, or, or excuse me, Roshkoff moves up to four. Murphy falls to number five. Tyler Berger uh, makes a one-spot climb to six. Richie Lewis goes from 10 to seven. Kemmerer from nine to eight. Uh, LaValle falls from six to nine. The big guy, uh, the the big movement, Russell Parsons of Army, eight notch jump at 157. There, how about the rest? Um, you know, certainly, certainly another weight where we're seeing a lot of movement from that 10 to 20 range. Lots of lots of good matchups early early in the year. Um, Caden McWhorter from Northern Illinois beat Jake Ryan, and then Colin Heffernan beat Caden McWhorter. So Again, you know, we're ranking this as if we were seeding the tournament tomorrow, so it has to go in that order. It has to go Heffernan, McWhorter, Ryan. Um, Richie Lewis beat LaValle head-to-head on the undercard of the NWCA. Uh, You know, Berger, Short, and Shields uh, placed in that order at uh, Dactronics. Russell Parsons probably had the best body of work over the weekend, winning three big matches to win that tournament and, and beating uh, Clagan, or Clagan, depending on how you pronounce it, from who was an All-American from two years ago, who we talked about last week. We had ranked higher than everybody else, so, you know, we're probably regressed to the mean a little bit. And and Roshkoff and Murphy was a really interesting match for those that didn't watch it. Murphy was winning and, and kind of convincingly, and then you know, Rashkov said he predicted he was going to let Murphy shoot and literally just he pinned him from basically neutral. I mean, obviously he got a takedown, but he was pinned within a second or two. And 
was really tight. He's a big 57-pounder. It's going to be interesting. If he can get to his holds and to the situations he wants to be, he's going to be very dangerous, that's for sure. Moving on to 165, the top 10 all remain the same in the same order as they were a week ago. Um, Selden Wright from Old Dominion makes an eight-spot jump up to number 13. Right behind him is Alex Marinelli of Iowa, the true freshman. Um, I think, you know, we may see him at some point this season in the Hawkeye lineup. But, you know, we got him in the rankings. We think ultimately he's going to be the guy, which would be a change for Iowa. I, you know, in the Tom Brands era, the Hawkeyes have never used a true freshman right out of high school. The only true freshman that they've thrown into the lineup was Nathan Birock at 197 pounds, and that came a year after he was at the Olympic Training Center. Where do you see Marinelli fitting in into this weight? Well, it's interesting because when you and I talked about it a week or two ago, you know, I think we were both convinced he probably wouldn't wrestle. And then, you know, you went to media day and did the interview, and it sure sounded like he was going to, and he's wrestling awfully well. Um, it's a super interesting way. He fits in there with those those young guys like Massa and Valencia and Vincenzo uh, and even Chandler Rogers to a lesser extent, you know, who's coming down a weight as guys that could make a big impact. And, you know, if Marinelli podiums, that's huge points for Iowa because they've got five, six weights where you feel like they're going to make you know, they're going to medal and, and, and score big points, and this is an, an unsettled weight for them. And If they can, you know, place, you know, top eight, that's big points for them. And, yeah, I think also the the Daniel Lewis-Isaac uh, Jordan match was very interesting because Lewis Jordan, – Isaac Jordan didn't pick down and ended up winning the match by picking neutral, getting a takedown and a ride out. Missouri is one of the best mat wrestling teams in the country, I feel. And, you know, they had a couple guys get rode out. And I know that um, the coaching staff in Missouri, Coach Smith, Coach Clemson, and, and Joe Johnston, that they're going to, you know, be breaking down tape with those guys, not just for them, but for the whole team and saying, here's where we got to improve. And those losses might end up being really valuable for that team at the end of the year, especially since they, you know, they counted rankings because we saw the match but they don't count in seeding. So it's, it's almost like a, a free run at it, and, you know, you get to learn from your mistakes there. Going ahead to 174, you mentioned the All-Star Classic. Uh, the first eight matches of the night there were – the first eight matches tipped in the final 75 seconds, um, mm-hmm. yeah. including, including this one, um, you know, where Zach Brunson of Illinois – uh, a one-point winner over Ethan Ramos of, of North Carolina. Uh, Brunson goes in at uh, goes up from 14 to nine. Uh, Ramos falls from from nine to ten. Uh, the the big movement there. David Coaster of South Dakota State uh, goes from 25 up to 13 after beating Leland Weatherspoon of Iowa State, who falls from six to 14. Uh, who caught your eye this week at 174? I think this weight sort of signifies. It signifies or is, uh, symbolizes the weekend where Iowa State didn't have a great weekend and South Dakota State did, and certainly the match here was one of the big, you know, big deciders in that. Um, also, this week, you know, we talk about 65 and 74 together. We finally got to see the Valencias wrestle, and I think if anybody questioned whether those guys for real or not, those guys, uh, those doubts are gone. 
you know, the Brunson-Ramos match was interesting. Uh, it sure seemed like Brunson was tired, and Ramos chose to try to ride him out, and it looked like Brunson caught a second win and ended up winning the match. I think, you know, if they wrestle again, and it was if it was similar, I think Ramos would cut him a lot earlier and go for either a takedown or a stalling point. Um, you know, but Weatherspoon's kind of where he was seated last year, you know, that 13 to 16 range, and so even if he if he stayed here for a while, it wouldn't shock anybody if he wrestled really well at the Nationals again. And then, obviously, if nothing had happened, everybody moves up a slot here because of Nathan Jackson's move to 184, which I, I guess we're probably going to talk about now. So going back to Weatherspoon for one second, though, I, I thought Kevin Jackson had a really interesting quote in the Iowa State Daily about, about Leland Weatherspoon. He said, quote, either you change or you don't, and Leland's got to change a little bit. His nutrition plan has got to get better. He's got to uh, get leaner. He's got to feel like he does in practice. He's lost a few of those matches last year, just like he lost tonight in, in reference to uh, the Friday night match against uh, Koser. Um, you mentioned uh, Nathan Jackson. He, you know, he goes from 174 up to 184, and certainly a deep weight gets even deeper. <laughs> yeah, my he's notes were welcome. welcome. Yeah. My notes were welcome to the meat grinder. Um, it's, the weight's absolutely stacked. I mean, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys now that have all Americans before, and then that doesn't count Avenatta or Zavatsky. And it, it almost makes you wonder if certain schools, if their lineups made sense, if they would move one of these guys up. Uh, I think it can make a big difference in the team race. I mean, there's certain weights where they can't, you know, like Virginia Tech is stacked 74 through heavyweight. Um, but there's other weights where there's – there are other schools where there's some flexibility. Um, I think one of the most difficult decisions here was Jackson and Sammy Brooks. And it makes a big difference in the rankings because eighth versus ninth is a three-and-a-half-point difference. Um, I think we ultimately decided that a fifth, even though it was at a weight down, was – uh, deserving to be ranked over an eighth, especially with Nathan Jackson having the only regular season win over Bo Nickel, even at 74. But it was it was a hard decision. Uh, and then Ian Baker wrestled really well at the Southeast Open, beating Jack Deckow and beating Chip Ness. And I almost think Gabe Dean gets underestimated with, you know, all the guys who are talking about going for the Hodge and you know, how dominant the Penn State guys are, 49 and 57, and I'm our halfway to four titles, and then the two Olympians. It, it, I think Dean, in a different era, would be the guy we're all talking about, and he certainly made a statement Saturday night that he needs to be recognized as one of the, one of the great, great wrestlers we have in college right now. For sure, for sure. Moving on to 197, uh, not a ton of movements, at the top there, but uh, Nathan Roder, South Dakota State, goes up a couple spots. Uh, Kevin Beasley, um, a big week for Old Dominion where, where they gained uh, several spots at a couple weights. He goes from 12 to 8. Uh, Colin Moore, 14 to 9. Um, you know, Rocco Kaywood of Army from 15 to 11. Uh, was there anything here that, that, uh, that really surprised you that took place in week one? I don't know that there was a ton of surprises. I mean, I thought the all-star match was entertaining. Um, first, I've only watched two or three Harner matches before this, so it was fun to, you know, watch a seven-minute match of his. 
um, Colin Moore is is good, and I think we knew that. But it's it's nice, you know, he's moving up, and for Ohio State, that's great news. You know, Beasley's a really good Greco guy, and Coach Martin and Coach Dixon are are doing a great job out there with him. And um, you know, it'd be interest. I guess the two things that are interesting that are near the bottom of the rankings. Number one, it looks like McCutcheon's going to be the guy at 97 for Penn State, and if he can stay healthy and get bigger, he's awfully talented and good, and, and most people think this isn't an exceptionally deep weight, so he could probably make a run to the podium. And then I'm sure Coach Jackson has a plan. It'll be interesting to see what it is at Iowa State with Colbray and coming out of red shirt and them still having Harrington. And I think you told me Colbray not only came out of red shirt but weighed in at 97 and then wrestled heavyweight in his first college match. So that's a, a welcome to college moment that's that's interesting. So um, he's obviously very talented, just won Fargo a few months ago, but those guys are at schools where team points can make a big, big difference in the, in the overall team race. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out there. No major changes at the top at heavyweight, but uh, you know certainly Connor Medbury and Ty Walls changed places after the All-Star. Uh, Tanner Hall and Michael Crail switched places at five and six um, after Hall won head-to-head. Um, you know, when you look at heavyweight, I mean, there's the Desi situation, which which is still a little unclear on on what's going on there. But but uh, that's a spot that um, you know you could see several guys you know moving up the ladder here pretty quick if if uh, Desi's um, going to be out for an extended period of time. Um, you know, in terms of other things that transpired at the heavyweight weight class, you know, this past week, you know, who impressed you? Who did you, uh, you know, who do you see moving forward here that that uh, could could really surface, um, you know, the last three four months of the season? I think Tanner Hall probably had the best weekend, you know, beating the guys that he did because that that was a good bracket. You had Hall, Krells, Dejanet, and Jensen. So to be two of those guys back-to-back, I mean, obviously somebody was going to do it, but to be the guy that does that is is impressive. And the rankings are going to be interesting because, at least with us, we have a rule where, you know, and I guess we have a Kyle Snyder exception, you know, with him obviously doing Olympic and world-class things. But for the most part, if you're out 21 days, we're going to probably pull you out of the rankings. So Desi will come out, probably Stoll will come out, but if those guys are healthy when it counts, there'll be guys that are ranked higher than maybe they'll place. Um, Nick Nevels will probably wrestle Nathan Butler this weekend. I know we're going to touch on that. That's an interesting match for sure, um, you know, two guys in the top 15, 16. And I think that'll that'll set the, the table for a, a, a lot of things there because those are weights. Stanford has very quietly put together a really good tournament team. And it's it's almost impossible to have an unbelievable dual meet team with the admission requirements there. But they've got some horses that can wrestle, and, and they've done a great job out there. Well, let's talk about that. You know, you, you touched upon Penn State and, and Stanford, um, 125, 141, 165 heavyweights. How do you see those things shaping up? I'm excited. I, I want to see the results. I mean, I think 25 is real interesting. Obviously, Shram and Suriano and um, 
that's going to be a very interesting match. 41, Kulaban and McKenna. 74, Wilson and Rashid, heavyweight we just talked about. And then, you know, there's some matchups at 57 and 65 and 97 that are going to be interesting too. Uh, Marchock at 97 just beat JT Goodwin this weekend. And McCutcheon, I believe, certified on Black Shoe Diaries, certified down at 74. So he's definitely not going to be a gigantic 97-pounder yet. So, I mean, that's an interesting meet. And unless you're rooting for one of the two teams, you just like to see really competitive matches. And one side may win a bunch of them, but I think it'll be interesting to see. And I, I would have to think that on paper there'll be at least one team or one guy, rather, that that upsets somebody and changes the rankings up. And I think, I don't know what weight it'll be. I know a lot of people are, are looking for Suriano to be able to have a signature win to get ranked. And Penn State doesn't go to Scuffle, and they don't go to Midlands, uh, and they don't go to Cliff Keen, Las Vegas. So I know they go to the Keystone Classic, and they go to Reno. But this might be... A, a big ranking match for them. And sometimes these matches end up controlling seedings for the rest of the year. When well, I think it was last year when Joey Dance beat Tomasello, we knew Dance was going to be above Tomasello no matter what at Nationals a couple of years ago when Joe Colon beat Ramos, same thing. I mean, obviously there's a lot of wrestling to be had, but some of these matches could have big implications when it comes to seeding at the Nationals. Looking ahead to the rest of the weekend, what what else do you have your eye on? What are you most looking forward to coming up here this weekend besides Penn State and Stanford? I, I guess journeyman. And, I you know, Papalizio does an unbelievable job out there and is, is with all the events that he does. And there's a lot of great teams out there. Um, I texted a couple guys that I'm friends with, and they said the matchups are still being put together. Uh, and I know maybe some of these schools don't want to – have real hard head-to-head matchups right away. So we may not get some of the matches we want, but if some of these top teams hit each other, I mean, there's some some really potentially, there's a lot of really good dual-meet deep teams out there, and then obviously some great individual matchups within all of that. I mean, you got, I'm looking at the flyer right now, and you got Ohio State, Arizona State, Wisconsin, West Virginia, Ryder, NC State, Lehigh, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Buffalo, that, I mean, there's probably in the top 25, 30 to 50 guys ranked from those teams alone. So you got to think a few guys would hit up if we were able to get some of the matchups that we'd like. So, I mean, between that and then the Penn State duel, I think you'll see some movement. At, and it won't just be movement in the middle. You'll see some movement at the top at some of the weight classes. You know, I think the Valen- Arizona State, in my mind, probably is the chance to go from the lowest – ranked, you know, the team that goes up the most from where they were ranked in the preseason rankings, because you couldn't rank the Valencias, you know, in a, in a high point scoring position. And I think we're not in the minority when we think those guys could do really, really well. Tanner Hall's progressing nicely, and they've got um, other guys that can medal, and they've got Milhoff out there, and it hasn't been confirmed yet that, that he's not going to be allowed to wrestle this year. And if he were allowed to wrestle, he, he jumps right in the mix in the top five for sure. Well, that'll do it for this week. Uh, David Maritani, thank you for joining us. We'll be back uh, next week after the, the third edition of the track wrestling rankings come out. So 
tune back in next week. Thanks for your time, David. Thank you for having me, Andy.